Hello, hello. This is Shay Monique Tracy, and you're listening to the Shay Tracy Podcast. Tracy. I am an eight-year educator. I am a nine-year mother working specifically, talking about work, with students um, who have had uh, moderate to severe disabilities, uh, both intellectual disabilities and autism. And currently I'm working with students who have emotional and behavioral disabilities. So I have had a very broad spectrum of what it is to deal with behavior, what it is to manage behavior in the midst of trying to teach them something salvageable that's in their hand that they can hold on to, right? So my teaching journey is just as long as my parenting journey. And I think that's interesting to hold on to because I've come to realize that how I have interacted and worked as a teacher has definitely impacted my parenting and my role as a parent has most sufficiently impacted how I teach, right? So I'm not particularly teaching for you to be in my class and on to the next piece, I am teaching with the end in mind and every single parent, and I believe this very firmly, every single parent should be teaching with the end in mind, okay? So we have these beautiful, amazing little humans who we are able to develop and to interact and kind of like chisel away at to move away the fluff and get down to the meat and, you know, understanding that we are spirits having an human experience. I think that definitely helps us when it comes to how we manage behaviors, how we manage ourselves, how we help our children control themselves, right? Because we are not in the habit of controlling children. I don't control my kids. I also don't need to, right? You are a person who moves and walks outside of me, and I have seen what that does to me viscerally, right? On a biological level, on a mental level, molecular level, I feel me become anxious, overwhelmed, excited, enthralled, over the moon for this little person that I've had the ability to have come through me, right? And in that, I have learned he, because I have two sons, they both maneuver in ways that I wouldn't necessarily maneuver, right? My older son, he used to be a bit more rambunctious, right? He was all of the things, and as he's grown older, he's kind of mellowed out, so I call him my cube kid, my ice cube kid, whereas my youngest, he has this fire, this energy, this stubbornness that propels him to do the things in a way that is not necessarily um, impulsive, but rather my youngest is very calculating, right? So when you're working with children who are impulsive, that's very different from a child who is calculating, right? They are moving the pieces together to have something happen, whereas children who are impulsive are just doing the thing, right? In hopes of seeing what can happen? So I have both of those sides and then working with the numerous children I've worked with in my classroom, I've seen a 
a conundrum of kids who are just moving about doing what they want to do. And the first thing I have to tell these parents who I deal with, because I'm teaching their children all day long, is you are not responsible for the behaviors that your child exhibits, right? They are going to exhibit these behaviors based on what they need, how they need it, and in the manner in which they see fit. So what we have to do as their parents, what we have to do as individuals who are involved and invested in seeing them do well is we have to help them meet those needs in a way that's really meaningful and it's doing so in a way that truly serves them, right? So a refrain that I constantly use, especially with my kids, especially with my students and definitely with the parents that I teach is, does that behavior serve you? And if the behavior doesn't serve you, and by that I mean, is it giving you the outcome that you want? Because we have a lot of behaviors that serves us, right? And they do. <laughs> we throw a tantrum, we hoop and holler, you know, we're demanding, and it gets it done. But are we giving off the short-term outcome for really the long-term outcome? And what I'm trying to do is help you to see that that range and that trajectory is completely different. And it's in, certainly, it's indicative of the intention of the parent, right? So if you're doing what's going to get you through for the time being, then mama, that's all you're going to get is you're going to get a solution that serves you for the time being. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to move our children away from that space of we can just do this for now to you will develop this thing that you will use forever. Right. So again, today I want to talk about just being able to manage those behaviors, being able to uh, watch in order for you to truly listen and getting clear about some of those words that we need our children to use in order for them to give themselves uh, the outcomes that they want and to, to produce those behaviors that serve them. All right, so in those intense moments, it's really easy for us to talk more. We're already escalated, we're already upset. Things are already moving in ways that we don't like. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to manipulate the situation so that we can get the outcome that we actually want because one, tension is high, uh, needs are high, emotions are high. Everybody is, you know, breath caught, breath paused. And to be clear, no one is breathing, right? So if no one is breathing, no one is thinking, and no one is moving through towards the thing that we actually need. So I want us to get clear that in those intense moments and in those intense moments, rather than talking more, you need to talk less. You need to talk less in the way in which you get to the result without you having to ramble on. Because in, in, instinctively, if no one is breathing, they're not listening, right? They're too caught up on the fact that their breath is caught. So this isn't the time to try to teach coping skills because it's too late. We're in the middle of it. You ever had somebody try to calm you down when you already, when you already hype? It's too late. Wait till I come back down. And then we can have a discussion, right? So this is why it's very important for us to teach our children the strategies to de-escalate themselves prior to them being escalated. You don't want to teach skills that they need in order to come back down in moments where they're escalated. That's not the time to practice, okay? It's not the time. Instead, 
You understand that the situation is intense. You understand that everyone is incensed. You understand that a lot is happening. You have very few minutes for it to come back down. So what you do is you don't talk more, you talk less. You don't explain. You give direction. Okay? You don't ramble on. You be very clear. And for my mamas who don't like to repeat themselves, my love, this is the time where you say the thing one time and then you just keep saying it. Have a seat. Have a seat. I know. Have a seat. Yeah, it must be hard. Have a seat. Yeah, that must be difficult. Sit down. Yeah, I know it's not fair. Have a seat. And you get down to the root of the first thing that we need them to do. And oftentimes the first thing that we need them to do is really to stop. But this is not the time to say stop. You are not going to use stop. You're not going to use no. You're not going to use wait. (laughs) Mm -mm. You give clear direction that can give you the action and the behavior outcome that you want in that moment. And oftentimes it's them being calm somewhere right? So give them the place to do that. Give them the location. Give them the manner in which, right? We don't say calm down. We say take a deep breath because you can't cry and breathe. Not well. You can't scream and take a deep breath. You can't fight me and take a deep breath. So you have to do one or the other. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to remove the problem and we're giving a solution. And oftentimes that solution needs to come with clear, concise words. One, two, three words, Max. If you have a whole sentence for baby, wait for another time, okay? If you can say it in five words, how can you say it in four? If you can't say it in four, what can you say in three? Have a seat. Have a seat can be turned to sit. 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 And this sounds awful, right? Because you're not training a dog. You're not training an animal. You're talking to a human being. You're you're talking to your baby. You're talking to your child. But what you want to do is you want to remove the onus of what does it look like to the people around you? And what does it feel and look like to you? Because if your child is already out of control, you feel out of control, then the last thing you need to do is talk it through. That's not the time, okay? You talk it through at a time where you're both de-escalated, when you're not mad and I'm not mad and we can really just look at it and talk about it objectively. So you did this and then I did this. You did this and then I did this. You did this and I did this. And mind you, keep in mind, I'm not making a judgment about what I think happened. I'm telling you what I saw, okay? Oftentimes what our triggers are and what our reactions are built in is what we believe occurred. And what you believe to have occurred is not oftentimes what took place, right? My child wasn't listening to me. Your child didn't hear you. My child did what they wanted to do. Your child was trying to get something. My child, and there's no way to see and believe intention in the moments that it's happening. So you can only identify what they actually did in those moments. And being able to do that, it takes away that pressure of feeling one, disrespected, 
feeling like your authority is being challenged, feeling like they're not listening to you, feeling like they're a disobedient kid. None of those things are real. They're all built up structures in your mind about what you think is happening and what is actually taking place. Your child didn't hear you. Your child decided to do something first. And we move away from that space of well, my child is being disobedient to whether or not they are being cooperative. Because them getting their story now, maybe they're using some long-term thinking. And if I don't pick this up now, then I ain't gonna find it. Mama gonna yell at me about it yet later. It's gonna be an issue because I'm gonna be mad that I can't find my toy. So really what we want our children to do so that we don't have to do it for them is we want them to think about that long-term path, right? We want them to think about that, think about that long-term goal and to do that in a way where we don't have to think for them. And mama, that's really, truly your goal. You don't want to think for your kid. You want your child to think for themselves, right? We build in the skills so that they're able to communicate and to move, like mobilize and to move within their own sense of power, their own sense of agency, their own autonomy, because they're individuals who what? Work outside of us, operate outside of us. It doesn't matter how well you train up a child they already have ingrained personality traits that were there before you ever put your hands on it. And really, all we're doing is pulling it out. We're just pulling it out bit by bit. You don't put in anything. You don't put in anything. Let's be clear. You don't put anything into your kid. What you do is you pull out what's already there. Your child really loves Legos. You're just pulling it out. You didn't make them love Legos. You can't make them excited about Legos. They just happen to be. If they love walruses, or even worse, if you have a kid like mine who can tell you all 52 different dinosaurs that there are, you didn't cultivate that for them. They did that for themselves, right? If anything, you just gave them the space, the opportunity, and the parameters to develop that skill. And hats off to you for being able to recognize that. But if we remove the onus of I have to bring, I have to put these things into our kids and instead you switch the language to I just have to pull these things out, then I think it really removes the pressure of what all you're supposed to do as a parent, right? If your job is to pull out what's already there, you can introduce them to some things based on the interests that they have, based on the... Uh, the language that they're using based on, you know, some of the things that they seem to enjoy, then if anything, it makes your job as a mom so much easier. Because if anything, all you have to be is observant, right? You don't have to be a mind reader, which you are. You don't have to predict the future, which you do. You just get to be observant and take onus and recognize that, you know, this is something that your kid already has in them and it's just your, your job to pull it out more. And if it's something that you pulled out that you don't like, then it's also your job to recognize, well, why is this something that I'm pulling out, right? What's building this up? It's your job to do that. It's your job to do that because you have the skills, the authority and the initiative to do for your kids something that they cannot. And that is your, that's your role in all of this, right? We're just trying to help our kids better maneuver, better manage, better move through the world that they're experiencing. And the best way to do that is really just look at the behaviors that we have and that we see in them and to move that into a space of like, I recognize that, I see you for who you are, I'm affirming what I see and I'm letting you know I'm here to support. That's where we are. That's the language that we use.
because our children, they're not only, <laughs> they're not all, only little versions of who has come through us, if anything, they're mirrors and they project back to us the things that we don't like, the things that we love, right? The things that we need to work on, they show that to us just in their existence, just them walking about being who they already are, okay? So it's not your kid doing something that makes you mad. It's what you see in you when you're watching them do them, right? All right, okay. Just my thought on that, okay? So again, something else that I really think that we just need to talk about in this space of just being mindful about communication, being mindful about the things that we say, being mindful about the things that we are seeing, um, is that be behavior is communication. Behavior is communication. Behavior, the things that people do, the things that our children do, it talks to us and it tells us the things that they need, that they want, that they desire. So we stop thinking of behavior as just simple call and response. I do this thing and they do this thing back. I do this thing and they do this thing back. And you dig a little deeper and you think about, well, what, what is this action serving and what need does it support? Then it's really easy to see how every behavior, whether good, but especially bad, the behaviors that cause us problems, the behaviors that disrupt our evenings, the behaviors that makes things difficult at the family barbecue, the behaviors that makes you agitated and triggered and you're walking around annoyed and you don't understand why. In those moments, it's very essential to look at that behavior as an action that's communicating a need that is not being met. That behavior is telling you in the most horrible way, the most annoying way, the most awful way that I have a need that I can't express properly, that I want to have met and I don't know how. And this is the only way I know to go about it. And if you see that for what it is, my child is throwing this tantrum for this. My child is hurting themselves because of this. My child is hitting others because of this. My child is taking things because of this. My child steals things because of this. Then you remove away this idea that they picked up this behavior somewhere. That you don't know what to do to replace it. Because really, once we identify the need that needs to be met, we can create a plan for what we have to do to make that behavior stop. Okay? So really, all it requires is you getting curious about the things that your kids does on a daily basis, especially the things that annoy you, especially the things that trigger you. And rather than being judgmental, rather than removing the onus, remember, rather than saying, oh my God, they're just like that, rather than saying that and saying like, I wonder what is it that my child needs from them? How does this behavior serve them? You will get the answer. And immediately, you'll be able to come up with the, well, what else should we do to get them to get that need met? And it's going to change your language. It's going to change your life. It's going to move you from point A to point B much faster because you take away this. My kid is just bad. My child just does things. Well, I can't prove nothing. I can't help nothing. He's doing what he wants to do anyway. And really, you give up. Mm. I didn't realize my baby needed so much attention. I didn't realize, you know what? He doesn't value the things that he owns or he feels like they could be taken at any point. So he doesn't care about them anymore. 
and it changes one your perspective but it also gives you a sense of understanding and once you have understanding you're able to do something right you're able to do something it's when you don't have any understanding do you move about and walk about like well it's not my problem because if you don't understand it you don't feel challenged to change it and it's when you understand it do you finally feel compelled to do something so in the space of that every mom should know in order for you to change the problem behaviors that you're seeing in your kids you just need to be curious about well, why they do the things they do and see if that helps all right Okay, so in that, in that same space, I have this expression that I use often, and I think uh, the world would just be a better place if we just all adopted it, right? So you have to watch in order to listen. You have to watch in order to listen. And again, if we think back to the space of communication as behavior, behavior is communication, then you understand that those behaviors are talking to you, screaming to you, whispering to you, yelling at you, right? In the obnoxious ways that it does because it's trying to communicate something that this kid wants or needs or desires. And if we just stop, you know, and this is myself included, being dismissive, of how big their problems are to them, right? Because we do things like pay bills and pay rent and pay mortgages and pay life insurances and, you know, make sure they have food every day. But, you know, their biggest trials and tribulations are making friends and, you know, getting called on by the teacher and being asked to help in the classroom and making play, you know, friends on the playground. Like these are their big deals. And those things, while they may be insignificant to us in the grand scheme of things. Like if we just are cognizant and mindful of this is their present, because we're not asking them to live in their future and we're not, in, we're not caring about their past either, right? We want them to feet into where they are today. This is where you are. And granted, you have some places you need to be in the moment or in the future. But if we just focus on the moment, our moment will take us to that future, right? If our kids are caring and kind and have empathy and are confident and passionate and purposeful, then they will carry that into their future, but they have to recognize and be that today. So we have to give them the space for today. And today they are blank years old. Not this is a problem because when they turn 10, incorrect. No one cares about when they turn 10 because today they're nine. Today they're seven. Today they're four. Whatever it is, right? When they turn 18, Today, they're 12, okay? Today is the issue. And it's not suitable today. So it definitely won't be in the future. So if we focus and we retrain our brains to just look at the right now and get our kids to look at the right now and take joy in the right now and responsibility in the right now, then we don't have to worry about them becoming something by the time they're 18. They'll practice those skills in the current space that they're in. And if you are anything like me, I know my main skill, my main hope, and what I really want most parents to know is that what we have to do is not to give our kids the things that we always wanted, but to teach them the things that we wish we would have known sooner, right? And we don't become those greater people, persons, 
have those accomplishments, et cetera, without putting in the work today. So I'm teaching my kids how to put in that work today. I'm embedding in my students. This is the work that we focus on today. The parents that I coach, what we need to do today for the outcome we want today is fill in the blank. And that's up to you. No one can tell you what's in the best interest of you and your kid. No one can tell you what you most certainly need because only you know that. But what you do know is that you have a question about how to do that, how to, about go and how to go about doing that, how to making sure that that happens, et cetera. And, you know, I'm definitely here to assist with that, right? So <clears throat> again, my teaching journey matches my parenting journey by the most, but for almost every year with the exception of one, I've been a parent one year longer than I've been a teacher, right? <laughs> um, but what I found that's really helpful that has helped me as both a parent and as an educator, and I'm, you know, extending that information to you all, is that we understand that communication and being verbal and being expressive really helps you to get those things that you want. And oftentimes our kids lack the skills of expressing themselves in a meaningful way, right? So rather than us saying things like, use your words which is a very powerful statement because it tells kids that the things that you say can allow you to have the things that you want. And that's, that's beautiful. That's an amazing sentiment. I think it's more important that we give the kids the words. Okay. So we call them scripts, right? And most people know them as that, but these are the lines. Right. When you on the phone with your girlfriend and, you know, she's calling a <laughs> complain about so-and-so and then you, your script is, okay, well, you know, are you calling for advice or do you just want me to listen? And that immediately tells you like what role to play. And the same way, if we give our kids the scripts, we give them that skill to tell others what roles you want them to play. Right. So I'll never forget, um, my babies, uh, it always starts with mom. It comes to me, my youngest especially, because he's exceptionally handsome, right? He's exceptionally handsome and he's learned uh, intuitively that if he pouts enough, people would just naturally come to him and ask him, you know, what happened? What's going on? Are you okay? And while, great job. <laughs> for being able to hone in on that skill, I would prefer if we didn't have to belabor the point for six minutes trying to get you to express what is it that you want. When instead of going through the motions, you can just walk up to me directly and tell me matter of factly, hey mom, I want. Hey mom, I need. Hey mom, it hurt my feelings when. Hey mom, my leg isn't hurt, but my feelings are. Right? So how we do that is in those moments, rather than getting frustrated and upset or bothered and bewildered, we just use every moment that we have with them as a teachable moment. And we, we ask that question of like, what do you want? What do you need? And before they can get there, because they, they're going to look at you quiet, right? They're going to look at you silent. They're going to have the arms crossed and the face down and the purse mouth. You want to just mom and then they say mom and then you go I need and then they say I need and then you go what mom I need and in that space they get to tell you and what gets them to use that script more is if they actually get what they want in the moment that they use it 
So this is the tea here. Do not use that script <laughs> if you're not willing to honor the request. If you know your baby is tantruming over a toy that they can't have for the next six months, sis, this is not the time. Because <laughs> if they say, I need, and then they finally ask, and then they still don't get it, then they're learning, well, you know what? That don't work. Because I asked, and I used the words, and still... I don't have my magical toy, but if it's a small request, if it's something that, you know, can be honored today, if it's something that we can acknowledge in this moment, then by all means, you want to give them the scripts so that we can affirm that when you use your words, you get the things you want. Because that's how it goes in life, right? Like, no one cares about the guy at the office who keeps telling us how hard his work is. No one cares about how everyone complains if there's no paper in the printer or, oh my God, like, there's few options in the cafeteria. No one cares. But when you have a question, when you ask a question, it requires us to pay attention. It requires people to answer. But simply expressing information for the sake of expressing information, no one cares. And we have to teach our kids that too. Like, you can express yourself, but are you making an expression or are you providing an ask? Because if you're giving an ask, what you're doing is you're taking it off of you and you're giving it to someone else. Like, this is the thing you need to give to me. I'm asking you to give this to me, right? And we, we teach them to be confident and we teach them to be assertive. And we, we teach them that, you know what, when you use your words, you get the things that you want. You can say no and have your space not violated. You can, you can ask for information and have that information delivered to you. You can say what you don't like and have that thing taken away from you. You can tell us what you need and have that thing given to you. And we want to be able to do that in all the moments that we're with them and teach them that skill. So when they are outside of our proximity, when they're outside of our line of sight, we don't have to be concerned as to whether or not someone is going to hurt them or take advantage of them because we know that our children can stand up for themselves. And I'm only here to back their play, right? I don't need to... <laughs> I don't need to volley the ball back and forth because my child gonna check you first. That was rude, so-and-so. And being perfectly okay and hearing that from your child to you. And this is the true challenge. If your child cannot say no to you, they won't feel comfortable saying it to anyone else because you are their place of comfort. And if you're in my place of comfort and you are the person who I know loves me most and you're the person who... I love most, and if I can't tell you no, I won't feel comfortable telling you, anyone else. And I won't feel comfortable telling any, anyone else that they hurt me. And I won't feel comfortable telling anyone else what I need. But I can tell you, and I can get that expression out, and I can have myself affirmed in those moments. So when I go out into the world, I know that the world isn't going to treat me like my mom, but I can put in the ask. And if I don't get the ask, <laughs> and this is something I teach my kids too, did you use your words? Yeah. Did they work? No. And then what happened? I came to tell you. Mm. That's exactly how that works. Because my follow-up question would be, well, what else did you try? Because if you don't like something and you didn't say something, then it's very difficult for the other person to know whether or not it bothered you. But if you... If you don't like something and you said something and they continue to do the thing that they're doing, then most certainly come get me because mom is here to help, right? 
And that's what we want to do. We want to move ourselves from I am your answer, your protector, your provider, your savior to I am a resource for you, for me to help you navigate through these waters to do so as independently as possible because we're teaching our kids how to maneuver without us. Always. Always. If you're anything like me, you suddenly develop the tear dying, like a fear of dying too soon. Anybody? <laughs> I most certainly am afraid that I'm going to leave this earth before I'm done teaching my kids the things that they need to know and giving them the things they need to have before I leave. And I think simply just teaching our kids to better communicate is one of those clear cut things that I wish more people had on this earth because as an adult, I didn't learn to pronounce my boundaries until I was in my 20s. I didn't learn how to express what I dealt with and do like until I was in my, until I was in my twenties. I didn't, I didn't learn how to really stand up for anything or anybody until I was in college. And I'm like, that's super late, that's <laughs> really late. And to think how much further I would have been had I just learned those skills a bit sooner. So why not give our kids that information that we wish we, we would have known that much sooner, right? So if any of this content was interesting to you, if any of this really resonated with you, please, Drop a hand raise in the comments because I'm thinking that perhaps, you know, I can talk about this further or maybe even make a class for it. So can you post it, right? So I'm a huge fan of my Angelo in the space of uh, you do what you know and then once you know something new, you do better. And in the space of just uh, knowing better and doing better, I'm just here to help you in those all things parenting and communication. So until next time, I'll talk to you later. Bye.